Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. You know, as the boss, you have probably sat in more than your share of virtual meetings, and you've probably had to facilitate that many more. Here's what you need to know. Those experiences generally suck. Or do they? Our guest today is going to talk to us about how we can make those virtual meetings, those virtual conferences, those virtual training sessions, something that we not only learn more from, but do not suck. My guest today is Heather Archer, and this is what she does. She helps people put together better virtual meetings. Now, I recorded this thing yesterday. I did my first training session today using her techniques, and I'm going to tell you they work really well. So you're going to want to pay attention to this. People do not want to see your boring PowerPoint. They don't want to hear you droning on and on. They want you to be more dynamic and more engaging, and Heather's five-step process is going to show you exactly how to get that done. So let's quit talking about Heather. Why don't we talk to her? You know what to do. Let's buckle that seatbelt. It's time to hit the road. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Heather Archer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mac. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. The topic, I think, is pretty relevant today, and it is a question, isn't it? Do virtual meetings have to suck? Absolutely. And the short answer is no, they do not. They do not. Okay. Even though almost everyone we do sucks, doesn't it? They do. No, they do. Yep. And it's it's quite unfortunate, actually, because with a, just a little bit of work and a little bit of conscientious attention, you can improve them so, so quickly. Well, I guess that's good since it doesn't seem like these are going away anytime soon. And I'm looking at my calendars. We're sitting here and from today, which we'll date stamp it. Today is June 15th, all the way through, good God, through December. I have every single friggin' thing is virtual. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know if I'll ever see the inside of an airport again. And I think that goes for a lot of people, doesn't it? It does, unfortunately. I I used to travel a lot and my fingers are, are crossed that I will get back to an airport. But I don't, even if we do, it's still not going to be as much as it was. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your background before we get into this important topic. So you are a road warrior and you've done a lot of different things. And just as I was kind of digging through your background, you know, as far as you can dig on LinkedIn, sure, you know, sure. you've had kind of an interesting career path. So Take us back to the beginning, Heather. How did you get started? And tell us what some of your work is, and then we'll get into the topic for today. Okay. Uh, I was one of those people who was blessed to discover in college what my true calling was, and it is training. It is teaching grownups how to do whatever it is they need to do just a little bit better. And so I have done that my entire career, uh, which is, we'll just say, over 20 years. Um, and I've done it, you know, in person, I've done it virtually, I've done it for computer application training, I've done it for soft skills. Everything that I've done always has one thing in common, and that's helping people do something better. Okay. So what you, you mentioned, computer applications and soft skills. I mean, is there kind of a sweet spot for you? What are some of the things you really enjoy teaching mostly? These days, uh, it would fall under business communication. So things like how to give a good presentation, how to give a good virtual meeting, how to, I guess you could boil it down to how to communicate in a way that people 
they want to listen, they want to take part, and they feel like they're allowed to be there. Okay. And that's really, I guess, what everybody struggles with. And then in 2020, we added a whole new dimension because now people are having to communicate and they're not face-to-face anymore. Mm -hmm. The the best possible outcome we have is that you can see their little face and a little square in the corner of your screen. And that's about as good as it gets, isn't it? For right now, yeah, that is. Yeah. So tell me about your travels then. It sounds like you've been a lot of places. So what is your favorite city to travel to? London. Oh. Wow. You know, I thought you were going to say like Cleveland or something, but man, you must be an international traveler. Huh? <laughs> Lima, Ohio was actually pretty good, but no, if I had to pick a favorite, it would be uh, London. Okay. And what other places have you been overseas? To be fair, it's a short list. Most of my overseas travel has been personal. So let's see. Uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, okay. Dublin, Ireland. Those are both very, very good. Um, I haven't gone too much further into Europe, but, uh, fingers crossed. Okay, good. Yeah. I hope so too. And then how about in the U S? So, uh, is it Lima or Lima, Ohio? I believe it's Lima, Peru and Lima, Ohio, Ohio. but please do I am not the expert on either one of those. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'm just wondering, is that really the best city you've ever been to in the U S? No, but it was surprisingly good. Okay. You wouldn't expect, but it was quite a lovely place to visit. I also liked Seattle. Washington was good. Mm-hmm. That was good. Um, New York. But then I think New York is always good. Yeah, it's a good place to visit. I'm not quite sure I could live just with billions of people all around you. I like, so I live just outside of Washington, D.C., and I consider D.C. to be a smaller, cleaner version of New York. Okay. Well, I don't know if I would call it that because we lived there for a long time too. You and I've had that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I think Washington DC is like New York's ugly stepsister, you know? Really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it was very hard for me to live there, but it's interesting that you, we talked about this earlier. You Mm -hmm. lived in uh, Arizona Mm -hmm. and you've moved from Arizona to the city where most people kind of do that in reverse order. Well, a lot of people also didn't grow up there or spend 25 years there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's, I, I keep thinking that's probably where we're going to have to go someday because my allergies seem to get worse every year and it might be a good time to go somewhere where it's nice and dry, huh? Uh, it is dry. That is absolutely a true statement. Yeah. So whenever somebody says, yeah, but it's a dry heat, does that make you angry? Um, I always try to remind them that at 120 degrees, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're still going to be able to burn your bare feet if you run out in the parking lot, huh? Oh, you have um, oven mitts in your car because your steering wheel is too hot. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, Can't I guess I always wonder why, you know, they sell cars now where the seat cools, not just got a little heater. I guess that's where it would be best, huh? A- absolutely. Absolutely. A leather seat at 120 degrees. Yeah, and I would imagine you're probably wearing shorts, so yep. it's going to skin on leather, and yeah, but that's, yeah, that could be painful. Interesting. Well, the topic today, let's get back to this, because sure. I'm starting to think about traveling, and unlike <laughs> you, I'm, I don't know if I'm anxious to get back into it, but it sounds like you're just chomping at the bit to go. So we do want to talk about virtual meetings. This sure. has been, for us, and here's another word that I don't like, and that's new normal, but mm. that's starting to become our reality and training and meetings and most everything else is virtual. 
So you've already given us the short answer. You said virtual meetings do not have to suck. Correct. But why are they so painful? They're painful because it's not, they're more taxing to us as human beings. We were not designed as human beings to interact artificially through a camera on a screen. A lot, a lot, 60, 70% of our communication comes from nonverbals. How are you? Do you sit up in a chair? Do you lean back? What are you doing with your hands, your face? Those give us pieces of information. And if I can't see, you know, if all I'm seeing is from your shoulders up, I'm losing the whole rest of your body. If I can't see your hands, if I'm losing the subtle, gentle changes of your face, I am, it, it's harder for me to read you and to understand the full message that I'm getting. Yeah. Um, we also don't feel it, it's just because there's this artificial, or actually not even artificial, because there's this space between us, we're not in the same room, we, we have to work harder to feel connected. And everything that we have to work harder to do makes it just more taxing, more difficult for us to do it. So if you have a day, and a lot of people do, this just back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back virtual meetings, by the end of it, you're exhausted because you're having to work so much harder. Well, I think too, let's, let's go back to the time before COVID-19 where we were all in the same place, except mm -hmm. you and I, because we traveled, but most places, even when I were, I worked for a time at Holy Cross Hospital in Silver mm -hmm. Spring. I, I know I told it. You that. Yeah. Yeah. You know it. Just up the street. But yeah. It's just up the street. But the thing I remember from that year and a half is like every damn day, all I did was go from meeting to meeting, to meeting, to meeting. And at the end of the day, I thought, what did I do? I went to meetings and I returned emails. Mm -hmm. And so you almost look, you, you almost dread meetings and then we move them online. And then let's take the other piece of it, which is training. I've never met a person that says, man, I'm so excited. I have management training to go to. <laughs> Most people hate training. Mm -hmm. So now we take two things that people hate and now we move them virtual. It seems like in a way it's kind of good because when you're I mean, this is a secret. Let's not tell anybody, but you really can pretend you're on the meeting and you're doing something more interesting. Which absolutely happens. And that's a, a lot of that boils down to the host or, or the person who's running the meeting hasn't worked diligently enough to make you feel like you need to be there, like you're valued and like they see you. So tell us what the host can do, because if that's the key, I mean, I have to think about this now. And I guess, well, you don't have to think about it because you're teaching it. But I do a lot of my stuff virtual. Mm -hmm. What what does the host need to do to make this thing a better experience? Uh, there, It's a series of little things. Like, for instance, Mac, using people's names. Sounds simple. And some people, and I am, I am not graced with this talent, some people just naturally do it. But if, if the host uses people's names, that's a great question, Mac. Sally, thank you for that thought. People suddenly kind of sit up and they go, wait a minute. That was me. That person saw me. That person heard me. I actually have value to this meeting. And the host did really nothing different but just start using people's names. Um, another one is, and this is classic, and I see this in, you know, training, training sessions all the time. Somebody will say, so I've just discovered, uh, you know, I've just discussed this whole very uh, intricate and involved topic 
does anybody have any questions? No questions? Okay, great. Let's move on. Hmm. Well, if you, as human beings, we don't waste our time. So if you don't even give me the opportunity to maybe have a question for real, I'm going to stop thinking of questions. And that just becomes a slow slide down the hill of me just not caring. You don't see me. You don't really want my questions or my comments. There's a lovely view outside my back window that is way more interesting than whatever you're talking about. Well, what is the right amount of time for that pause of, do you have any questions? Thank you for asking. Minimum 10 seconds. 10 seconds seems like an eternity. I'd be twitching like somebody just say something so we can move on. It is. And I was actually having this conversation with a a friend of mine who comes from radio and TV. And she said, oh, after three seconds, you know, dead air is, is, is a horrible thing in radio. I'm like, well, not so much here though, because let's think through if I, if you and I are having a conversation and, you know, or, or I'm training in front of, let's say 10 people and I say to them, all right, does anybody have any questions? There's an actual process the brain goes through before your mouth even before your mouth even opens. So first off, you have to say to yourself, "Oh, she just asked if I have questions. Did I have a question? I did have a question. What was that question? I remember that question. But do I want to ask that question? I do want to ask that. You see, and I'm already at six or seven seconds, and you know, I haven't even gotten to the good part mentally in my own head as a participant. So the trick as as the host of the meeting is to ask the question, does anybody have any questions? And then patiently, calmly, as if there was nothing wrong, wait for people to work their way through that process and then speak up. And that's definitely 10 seconds, right? That's in person. Online, you're looking more like 15. Wow. Because think I thought about 10 it. was bad enough, 15. But think about it. If, I, if, if I'm in the room with you, all I have to do is lean forward and kind of look at you and you know I have a question. Online, I've got to sit up. I've got to find my mouse. I've got to find my mute button. I've got to kind of go, <clears throat> excuse me. And that's tacked on three or four more seconds. But here's the good news. What, you, what you're essentially doing is you're teaching your participants, you're conditioning them that you want that input. So, and, and I do this religiously in my trainings. I do this in conversations with friends all the time. If I condition you that I want that input, halfway through the conversation or through the meeting or through the, the training, you're geared up and ready. So when I say, does anybody have any questions? Like at the three second mark, people are going, yes, because I knew you were going to ask and I knew you really wanted it. So it, okay, so I, I can set the expectation that I will be giving you a chance to ask some, ask some questions, huh? Yeah, exactly. And, and people will respond to it. Well, you know, I'm excited here because I have an online training I have to do tomorrow morning. And I'm going to try this. And I'm, I swear, Heather, if somebody gets uncomfortable, I'm going to call you back. You know I'm what? Put this in practice tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I swear by it. Swear by it. The trick is you have to be okay with that silence. Take a drink of water. Look at each person individually on the camera. Calmly wait. And if they don't speak after 10 seconds, 12 seconds, you go, okay, great. 
If you have any questions, let me know, and then you move on. Okay. I know it's 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 very wow. scary and it's very awkward. I know. I know. Okay, so that's not. There's more I could do to make it better, not just have long pauses, right? Oh yeah, lots more. Lots yeah. So more. what else? What are some other things? Because again, I can't wait to try this tomorrow. <laughs> what tomorrow might be a bit a bit soon for some of them. Um, the next one is. Because we're going from 360 degree live in person, we're going to this little postage stamp two-dimensional thing. You have to show up as the host a little bit more. And one of the things that you need to show a little bit more are your emotions. Because if I am, you know, for an hour speaking in monotone and nothing is very exciting and nothing is very frustrating and whatever, there's nothing for you, there's nothing interesting for you to hook into, right? You're like, it suddenly becomes wah, 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 wah in the background. But if, you know, if I'm watching a meeting and somebody sits up because they're really, really excited about it and I can hear in their voice that they just can't wait to share this thing, I'm going to sit up and go, what is this thing? And if somebody is, is a little bit frustrated, I'm going to feel okay to be frustrated with them. And if they're angry about something, if they're, you know, celebrating something, so you want to not only have the emotions, but as the host, you want to bring them a little bit more, uh, make them a little bit more evident than maybe you would in person. Okay. Well, I was noticing because I got to watch your video and you were quite uh, animated with your hands. And you know. and it was interesting to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, I kept wondering like, well, I've never seen, normally all you see is the head move or sometimes you don't even see the person's face. They blank it out. I mm. mean, the, the instructor right. the meeting leaders always showed up, but yeah. So it was very different. I hadn't seen anything like that before, Heather. That was, that was actually quite interesting. So that is key then, right? Showing some emotion. Absolutely. Ooh, let's go back to that thing about waiting 10 seconds. Because what you watched was the beta, which there were no people. Mm -hmm. But even then, I paused. I would ask a question and I would pause to encourage you watching a recording to interact as much as you could, even though you know I wasn't obviously going to hear it. Well, that's good to know because I think some of the recorded stuff has a place for polling and things like that now. There's a lot of interesting technology with these things. Absolutely. And it sounds like you will, you know, you, with these kinds of things, you could lead us to using it too, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So using names, 15 seconds of agony, showing <laughs> up more emotion. What else can I do or a meeting leader do? Meeting visuals and and all of this stuff applies to to virtual as well as in-person meetings but visuals if you're you're trying to keep people's interest visually so fabulous that i'm using my hands and i'm showing emotion and whatnot but looking at me for a straight hour it's it's going to get old so having powerpoint slides but having good powerpoint slides slides that are simple to read that change frequently, that aren't confusing, slides that I can glance at, absorb, and come back to the presenter, keep me visually interested. Oops, something's changed. I need to go look at it. I need to see what's happening, but not distracting so I get, you know, so I stop paying attention to the presenter. Okay. Well, so were you ever doing training before PowerPoint was the norm? I'm not trying to... <laughs> Like pick your age out here, but I'm just curious if you had, because I can tell you I have, because I'm older than dirt. But <laughs> do you do you remember the days before PowerPoint? I I remember them more as a user, not so much as a trainer. 
We're talking like transparencies and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was always normal. Or you had a flip chart, right? You could get up in front of people. And then PowerPoint came along and I remember it was, I was taking college classes. So this would have been in 1991 and some Air Force guys that were in this class, they had this thing called Harvard Graphics. Ooh. And they, they printed out their stuff on a transparency. And immediately I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then shortly after that, PowerPoint came along. And, you know, just to show how long ago, you, to install it on a PC, you had like 27 floppy disks. You had to stick them in, you know, in a sequence. Mm-hmm. But when you had it, then training was so easy because everything for you was on the slides. And all you had to do is, you know, uh, I mean, a, an hour presentation could have 185 slides. But it was great. It was easy. And I think what it did is it made people lazy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you're, you're suggesting PowerPoint still, but differently. In other words, not bullets and paragraphs of information that the trainer reads. Exactly. Because I think people, people enjoy that, don't they, when a trainer reads them the slide? Sure, sure, sure. When we were in kindergarten. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not even the the presenter reading the slide. It's the the participants will read the slide, and for whatever reason, we are we will read before we listen, for the most part. So if you give an audience a slide that has more than six or eight words, they are going to literally stop hearing the presenter, and they're going to dive into that slide, which means number one, they're ignoring you. Mm-hmm. Two, they're reading slower than you're talking. Or three, they're reading faster than you're talking. So they're not with you in any way, shape, or form. Well, you shared an interesting example about subtitles when we talked last. Tell us about that again, because it, it, it is fascinating. Once you mention it, I, I totally agreed with it. What exactly did I say? Remember you were saying about when you see subtitles on a movie Oh, and, oh, you're talking about the uh, closed caption. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Right. So if you want to just see this in action, this this compulsion to read before we listen, um, turn on a movie, a TV show, whatever, in your native language, and close. turn on closed caption in that same language, and just start watching and see what happens. And you're going to find that you're reading 90% of the time and only watching the screen maybe about 10%. And I find myself reading ahead of the actor. Like I've already heard the punchline and then the actor gets to it. And I'm like, oh, that's not quite as funny, you know, because I've already read it. Mm-hmm. But that is what we're trying to avoid with the presentation slides. I think that's powerful. My son's and his girlfriend, I think I told you they were staying with us for like three months. Mm-hmm. And she's Chinese. I mean, she's from China and her native language is Mandarin. And so what my son does with Netflix is he turns on the English subtitles because she wants to learn English. I mean, it's pretty decent. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, that, but we watched for three months when we'd watch something on Netflix. I thought, I'm getting so used to seeing the words that when they finally left and I turned them off, I, it just took a little bit of time to get used to just hearing the voices again. But mm-hmm. maybe that's what we've condition ourselves to as participants in a meeting. And certainly, I guess a trainer wouldn't even know that. But if you take away the PowerPoint, you're basically taking away a dimension we're used to. But I think it would be better though, wouldn't it? Well, use PowerPoint differently, which is what you said earlier. Don't rely on it as a crutch. Don't put everything you want to say on it. And another thing you can do is make it more visual. 
Is there any way you can turn those 10 words into one picture? Do it because we, we process pictures faster. We remember pictures better. And you've given me a nice, something interesting to look at. We're not particularly interested in words per se. We read them, but they're not particularly interesting in and of them themselves. But like a chart, even if we don't understand it, is a bit more visually interesting. Okay. So any other tips? We've got the name. We've got the 15-second rule showing up more with emotion, visuals. Anything else we can do? The last one, and this is, this is a challenge for all meetings. People get aggressive with the agenda. They try, and I've heard people go, oh, we don't, you know what? We only have an hour, so I'm just going to talk really fast. Okay. You're wasting my time. If I, if, if I can't interact, if I can't process mentally what you're saying, then the fact that you've talked your way through it in, you know, less time than you should have really isn't helpful. So I, I don't think anybody would argue that if we could have shorter meetings, that would be better. Mm -hmm. But you're almost making the case that if, if we do shorter meetings with fewer things to worry about, we'll probably leave better informed. Well, you'll leave better informed. You'll also have a chance to have discussions and be able to make decisions. You actually have thoughts and dialogue about the topic instead of just, it's a one-way shove. I'm going to shove all this information down your throat there. Now let's have another meeting to maybe discuss it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we are realistic about the agenda and we build time in to take a pause have a conversation, cover the really, really important things and not the five other things that we just stick in that meeting because it's habit. I think the quality of our meetings will improve as well. Well, something's got to give because those were just torturous things, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I love it. Five really good tips. So that's for us as the presenter. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm sitting in the meeting and cameras are optional, Ooh. Should I turn it off or turn it on? What do you think? Turn it on for a couple different reasons. Number one, if people cannot see you, you start to not exist, right? Especially if you don't have anything to say. Mm -hmm. Think back to a meeting and the people you can remember being there, I'm talking virtually, mm -hmm. are the people you can remember seeing on camera. Yes. Right? It just being able to see each other, like you seeing me has value to you. Me being able to see you has value to me. We become real to each other. Again, I can pick up more of your nonverbals if I can see you. We wouldn't want, we wouldn't attend a meeting sitting out in the hallway and kind of, you know, with our ear to the wall. But if you don't have your camera on, that's basically what you're doing. Why do people keep them off? The reason I used to keep mine off, and I tell you, I was one of those people. I was like, you know what? If you're not going to tell me to do it, if you're not going to make me do it, I'm not doing it. I'm the complete opposite now. I'm like a recovered smoker. I will, <laughs> I will, you know, preach it until the, the cows come home. But we're uncomfortable looking at ourselves. We don't want to uh, do our hair and makeup. We don't want to shave. We don't want to put on a nice shirt. We don't want to worry about our background. We're embarrassed because, you know, the dog might run through. Or we want to be able to, you know, uh, 
<clears throat> I have attended meetings where my nonverbals weren't necessarily as supportive as they could have been. I rolled my eyes on occasion. I, you know, kind of gave a guffaw that wouldn't have been. And, and so when you're on camera, you have to pay attention. You have to assume, a friend of mine said this, you have to assume somebody is always looking at you. Mm-hmm. And you have to be mindful of that. So you have to adjust your your camera face. And that takes effort. It takes work. Yeah. But I think if we could do that in the in an in-person meeting somehow, you'd probably get better participation. Absolutely. I mean, our, the old way of, you know, tuning out in a meeting was having your phone right there. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, kind of pick through it and scroll. But it seems so much easier. You know, I've sat in some virtual meetings just in this time just to kind of kick the tires and see what everybody else is doing. And I thought, God, I'm not going to show my face because what if I have to scratch my nose? Someone's going to think I'm picking my nose. So you have to like watch what your hands are doing. It seems like a lot of pressure. But but you were were doing that in person. Well, I don't think I ever did. You scratched your nose in person. Well, yeah, I guess I did. Did you worry about it? No, I didn't think about it. But now you've got me paranoid because everybody's (laughs) looking at my face now. (laughs) But here's the thing. We've been looking at you. If we had in-person meetings with you before, we've been looking at your face before. To to us as the audience of you, nothing's really changed. It's just your perception of you has changed. Well, it seems like I will be bringing my A-game to the meetings now where – you know, that was always optional before, especially when you could sit in the back of the room. There is no back of the room. No. On camera, is there? No, not really. Not really. And think about it. If you're worried about being fired, you want to show up as much as you can at every meeting you attend. And mm-hmm. turning on your camera is just a simple way to go, look, I'm here. See me attending and being interested well, you know, you could get around that too. I came home one day from this office when my son and his girlfriend were living with us. He was interviewing for jobs. Yeah. And I walked in and he had a suit on from the waist up. And below he had a pair of running shorts on. I said, what did, what did you do? He's like, I had an interview. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you didn't make, they make you stand up. I'm going to tell you a secret. Okay. Nobody is dressed from the bottom down like they are the top up. Everybody's in yoga pants or sweats or jeans or whatever. But that's fine because what you see on camera is presentable. Yeah. I think I'd read where Walmart was like their when they did their sales things that way more people were buying shirts than they were pants. In the last two or three months, I would say absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I kind of wear the same thing every day, but no, I get that. And I guess, you know, the whole point here, Heather, is that we want to make sure that people show up and are engaged in our meetings. Exactly. And so This is some important stuff. Why don't people naturally interact? Why do we have to pull them out of their shells? It comes down from two things. One, and both are conditioning. So the first one, I think, comes from our childhood. We pretty much, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody um, who wasn't raised with some kind of television interaction. Mm -hmm. And at a very young age, we were taught, you can talk to that TV all you want. Ain't nothing going to change. Right. So even though we're adults and we understand this is a live meeting, there's a little part of us that goes back to that childhood experience of I yelled at the TV and nothing happened. So why should I, you know, in this it looks like a TV moment. Why should I interact now? 
Wow, I never thought of that, but you're right. Yeah, I know. Although I still yell at the TV when there's a football game on. It, and, and, and sometimes it actually helps, I've found. Does it really? I mean, unless it's the Washington Redskins, then pretty much nothing works. <laughs> nothing works. Yeah. But the other reason is as hosts of these meetings, we don't create that. Uh, we, we give off subtle clues that say to people, I don't really want your interaction. Things like saying, have any questions? No. Okay, let's move on. We've all had that experience, right? And what do you do in your head? You go, oh, well, clearly that person doesn't actually want my questions. So we stop thinking of them. We stop thinking of comments to share and ways to interact. So if the host can show up and say, I really want your comments, I really want your interaction, and walk the talk, actually give people the space and the time to share those thoughts, then I truly believe participants will start to step forward and go, oh, yes, you really do want my, my comments. I shall start thinking, the, thinking of them and sharing them with you. That's great. Now, we have almost had to rewire everything to go from in-person meetings to virtual, from in-person training to virtual. Mm-hmm. Let's just pretend. Let's pretend <laughs> that in six months, there is a vaccine for COVID and everybody's going back into work. Uh, Do we have to relearn the in-person stuff or could we, now that we've got good habits here, would those virtual things work well in person? Absolutely. They will work well. And as a matter of fact, what we're trying to do is these are the habits that good in-person meeting leaders were already doing. So we're sort of just like closing the loop is all we're doing. We're taking those great things that people did in the conference room, and we're showing you how to do them in a virtual meeting. And regardless of where you learn the habit, they work wonderfully in both places. Well, I guess the key is now just getting serious about doing it better. Mm-hmm. And then whatever happens six months or a year from now, we'll be ready, right? Exactly. Exactly. I think, too, we're also more than we were, we're being judged on our ability to host that virtual meeting. Yeah, well, as we should, because this is a, this, I mean, you could look at on performance evaluations and, you know, appraisals, you know, communication, ability to communicate. I mean, we have a clear new, I guess, uh, competency now mm-hmm. to really measure people against, don't we? Exactly. Well, Heather, you have given me lots of good information that I'm going to try out tomorrow. And I've no doubt it'll work because you obviously know your stuff. Do you offer any training for people who want to get better at this stuff? We absolutely do. Um, we are we right now. What we have is a ninety-minute uh, virtual because you know you got to do it in the environment you're going to learn it uh, workshop that covers in more detail those five things: why they matter, how they matter, how you can do them, and so forth. So yes, absolutely. Well, how do we sign up? Uh, you go to the website masteryourvirtualmeetings.com. All right. Well, I guess we know exactly what we're going to find when we go to that site, huh? Exactly. It it didn't even list out the five things I'm going to teach in the workshop, which are the five things we've talked about. That's great. So if we were to go there, we could sign up for training. Is it going to be live, recorded? What is it going to look like? Right now it is live. Uh, Eventually, once I've gotten enough, because you don't just take a, a training and, and, you know, record it and make it a video, you got to find the right 
incident of that training. Uh, so, but eventually, yes, I plan to have a recording as well for people who just want to kind of sit down and, you know, mainline it and not, uh, not have the, the, the full experience, if you will. Okay. And then when things improve, you will be back on the road and could somebody actually have you come out and do a live session in person? You know what you, I love, love live sessions, but I don't, I actually have to admit, I don't think this is the right thing to do live because you need that experience of being in a virtual meeting to see that this stuff works. What I do offer is the ability to do it for an entire team and sort of a dedicated date and time. Excellent. Okay. So where again, do we go to find out information? Masteryourvirtualmeetings.com. Beautiful. Well, Heather, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you this afternoon, and uh, I'm really excited to test out the techniques. More importantly, I hope that if you're listening to this today, that you will make the effort to up your game a little bit. This is a time that you could really make an impact, and I hope that you will take Heather up on the training. So, Heather, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today. Absolutely, Mac. It was super fun. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. (laughs) 